0: Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo, I'm the director of AGLCA, and today we're going to bring you a 2023 boat buying market update and our guest will be Curtis Stokes of Curtis Stokes and Associates. Curtis is of course an admiral level sponsor of AGLCA, and we have done these market updates. I think for the last four Januarys, We may have started in 2020 and it may not have been January because it may have been kind of after the pandemic started and everything kind of spiraled um, upward (laughs) Um, when a lot of people thought it would be going downward. So we started doing these um, and they've been popular. So we figured we'd bring Curtis back and do a 2023 update. Before we jump in, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank once again, Curtis and our other Admiral sponsors for their top level support of AGLCA. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, passage maker trawler fest, skipper bob publications and waterway guide media. As always we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the great loop. And officially uh welcome back Curtis. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank great. you. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's great to see you coming coming to us from your home there in Maryland. We see your your ducks there. Um always nice because yeah. it looks like a very relaxing environment. <laughs>
1: It is inside, you know, uh, we spend uh, December and January here based so that we can appreciate the weather in Florida more in February.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, these days, Florida isn't all that exempt from the cold temperatures. We're actually, we're in Florida, but barely. (laughs) We're still sitting in uh, Panama City Beach, so pretty far north in Florida. Um, Today's supposed to warm up a bit, so hopefully we'll get out there, planning a little uh, kind of dinghy raft up with some other loopers here in the marina, so it should be a fun day. Awesome. Yeah. But um, let's go ahead and talk about the boat buying market, because we know a lot of our members are still in the market for a boat. Um, You know, for the past few years, really since the pandemic, when everything related to boating just exploded, um, the big story has been the lack of inventory, which has driven prices higher. Um, Is that changing yet? Do you see a change to that in 2023, more boats on the market, or is it status quo?
1: (laughs) It's... um... It's uh, status quo to a slight increase in inventory. Um, looper boats, looper capable boats in good condition, priced right are still hard to find. Uh, we still struggle. We, have, we still have more buyers than we have boats. So the inventory is still an issue. Uh, the boats that come on the market that are priced right are selling quickly. And the boats that are coming on the market where some sellers are still trying to get what I call COVID pricing you know, are struggling uh, a little bit and the buyers are pretty picky. Um, They're really uh, staring down condition issues and negotiating hard on them. Uh, Some of the boats have, you know, some pretty serious condition issues and it's holding them up uh, from selling. So it's either price or it's repairs. And, you know, it's all about the money uh, what's invested in the boat, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, talk about that pricing a little bit, Curtis, because, um, you know, I hear from a lot of the brokers out there. People were looking for that premium during COVID because boats were hard to find. Um, so some of the reputable brokers have struggled with that because they really don't want to sell somebody a boat that's overpriced. But ultimately, it's the market that's going to set that price, and if somebody's willing to pay it, that is the market price. How is that all, you know, balancing out? And as one of those reputable brokers, how do you deal with that, um, you know, perceived the sellers perceived premium that may or may not be they may get on that boat
1: well and and that's a real dilemma for me in this market because i'm trying to be realistic you know when i price a boat and i'm emphasizing that we're in a transitional market to sellers but naturally they still want the top dollar they can get and i don't blame them and that's our job to get them you know the the best price we can Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't want them to sit month after month after month. And, you know, if you turn the TV on, all you hear about is recession and, you know, doomsday and this and that. And so I warn everybody, don't be greedy, you know, just get what you can get reasonably and get out of this market before it turns on us on us. If it does, uh, you know, I give the American consumer credit. We have defied all expectations of the really, uh, uh, brilliant economists, out there. And uh, I, we were just talking about flying and naturally about Southwest and all that. But what still astounds me is every flight is full and it's full of families. And I sit there after spending $600 for a one-way ticket, choking on that and looking at a family of four going to Disney World or to a cruise ship. And I go, my God, the money being spent in the economy still is absolutely incredible. And so, when it comes to boat buying and boat selling, um, uh, you know, typically, generally, uh, I see a slowing of the market slightly uh, again because of inventory and just a, a you know a little bit of a slowdown in in people just paying crazy prices. And I, but then when I say prices are coming down, someone defies that and goes and pays a ridiculous price for a boat now. You know, typically, I find that's on a for sale by owner without a broker involved, and you know, some people will laugh at that. But most brokers are going to be with a buyer saying, "Wait a minute, let me show you the sold comparables here. This is what you're paying. You know, you're paying a premium. Are you prepared for this?" Whereas, with if someone's on their own, they don't have that little, you know, devil on the shoulder going, "Hey, you know, you're you're paying way too much for this boat," uh, for in compared to a normal market, and so. We get a few people coming to us going, okay, I'm ready to list my boat for sale. I bought it for X and we just about fall off our chair. We're listening to you know, how much they paid uh, for that brand and model and that vintage and go, boy, this is going to be a tough one. Here we go with this conversation again. Uh, But then, you know, a couple of my brokers have listed boats where I immediately called them and said, what were you thinking? You know, why would you list that high? And then sure enough, somebody comes along and makes an offer, maybe not at that asking price, but one way above where I expected. So I and then we just had another incident the other day. Um, We put one of our listings under contract. I felt it was on the high side and, you know, we were looking at possibly bringing the price down again here soon. One of my brokers showed the boat twice in one day and brought two full price offers. So yeah, I just, it's all over the place. Um, I have boats that I have listed that I think are a really good buy and priced right and no activity on them. And then other brands and models, we put them on the market at a high, what I consider a high price and they sell that's the exception. And I also think what's happening, I've caught a couple of brokers where um, they'll look at an outlier uh, as far as sold comparables, They'll have one sold comp way, way high above all the others. And they go, well, oh, that's the new market. And they'll price their listing according to that price rather than the overall asking prices. And they're, they're up there um, rather than being in the market. they are still above it. So um, I think there's some frustration you know, among some sellers who aren't getting activity and aren't getting the price they want. Uh, but there's also frustration on the buyer side, where they're still looking at the lack of inventory. They've been looking for maybe months and years, who knows, and uh, and they're not seeing the prices come down like we expected them to by now. So um, it it continues to be a unique, interesting, frustrating, uh, uh, unbelievable market.
0: Yeah, and above all, all else probably just kind of hard hard to predict what might happen. Absolutely. Next. Um, but we're going to ask you to look into that crystal ball a little bit. Um, of course, uh, you, you kind of mentioned the overall economic uh, doom and gloom that's out there if you are listening to news reports. Um, but one thing that you know is forecasted to continue right now is the steady climb in interest rates. So, are you seeing that flow through to the boat markets? Um, and you know, we know that the boat loans don't necessarily follow that you know one for one increase, but how is that, the actual increases, and also that, you know, forecast for it to continue affecting it? Are people rushing to buy before the increases continue, or are they already kind of pumping the brakes and saying, let's wait and see how this plays out?
1: Depends on the uh, price level and the type of boat. Uh, I talk to people like Cindy Lewis all the time to kind of get a feel for the market in different segments, whether it's in. Insurance or financing or repairs or new builds, uh, you know, brokerage, and um, amazingly, the higher interest rates really have not slowed what I would call the Great Loop market tremendously. Uh, we do have a lot of people paying cash or you know using home equity lines of credit um, uh, or you know retirement funds that are are becoming available. But still, people are financing. We have a deal that just closed where you know they they financed and the rates weren't a problem for them. I'd say where it's a problem is maybe on the smaller boats, center consoles, um, entry level boats. uh, The the and and also I see a slowing of the multi outrageous horsepower outboard uh, market, you know, where you have a center console, a $500,000 to a million dollar center console, that market, you know, in sport fish market, I think is slowed a little bit. Uh, because I think a lot of builders uh, will buy sport fishermen and their market is certainly slowed down. So they're being cautious. Uh, but the great loop market is, is such a bucket list item or such to me is a retirement uh, thing that uh, people are just going to do it regardless. If they have the financial ability to do it, they might downscale a little bit, but I'm not hearing a lot of that. Um, people have really kept their plans and they're, they're going for it. Uh, maybe not the sheer volume we had you know, a year or so ago, but there are still a lot of buyers out there looking to buy boats to do the great loop.
0: Yeah. One of the things you mentioned, Curtis, um, you know, you mentioned entry level boats, which is kind of an interesting segue, um, because one of the biggest factors for consideration for people who are looking for a loop boat over the past few years has been the insurance market. And um, we will be having John Horton on, who is one of our insurance experts, to talk about that. He's with Jack Martin and Associates. Um, He will be a guest in the coming weeks to talk about an update on the insurance market, because it does play such a huge role part in this puzzle right now, Um, but from your perspective, Curtis, um, you mentioned entry-level boat. As I said, one of the uh, factors that has been influencing looper sales is that some of the insurance companies will, for the past year or so, only insure people for a step up of 10, sometimes 15 feet in their boat size. So if the largest boat they've ever owned is 30 feet, the largest they can, through most companies, get insurance on is, is somewhere between 40 and 45 So that has um, kind of put a wrench in the works for some loopers who are newer to boating or who have only owned in the past small boats. So one of the strategies that some of our insurance experts have recommended is kind of having an interim boat, a step up boat, more of an entry level boat um, for a year or so to uh, build up that boating resume and build up the ownership that the insurance companies are looking for and then stepping up to what you're really hoping for for the great loop. Are you seeing that happening with some of your clients? Are they? Moving to something smaller for the loop and sticking with it, or are they doing that kind of step-up strategy where they have an interim boat?
1: We definitely see clients buying a smaller boat reluctantly on their part. You know, they would want a 55-foot boat, but they had to step it back to 45. Um, A few clients are doing interim boats that are long-term buyers, you know, for doing the loop. Uh, but um, insurance is still an issue for new to boating buyers uh, who don't have the na- the uh, nautical resume to provide an insurance broker for an underwriter. They're still struggling a little bit, but I am very surprised at, you know, all this discussion we've had about insurance companies clamping down and not allowing captain training or not allowing um, you know above 12 foot or 15 foot. And then my clients go to someone like Progressive and Progressive goes, sure, we'll we'll insure you up to 50 foot and this and that and give them the parameters. And so I've had clients and my brokers have had clients where we didn't think they'd get insurance and they go to someone like Progressive, especially Progressive. They have really surprised me. um, They've given them insurance. And even recently, one of my clients uh, got insurance with the uh, caveat they had to have, I think it was 25 hours of uh, training with a captain afterwards, which they stopped doing for a while. So the the insurance market is so fluid. It is just in such fluctuation that we don't know what to expect. And so I'm still having that initial conversation. And I guess we've had enough of these podcasts or you've had enough of these podcasts dealing with insurance on the internet that finally people are saying to me, when I broach the subject of insurance, they go, Oh yeah, I already saw that on the internet. I've already checked. I can get insurance. And I'm like, Okay, we won't go into that detail, unfortunately. I'd like to know a little more, but you know, let's let's focus on the boat then. Um, so the word is getting out there, and people are getting pre-approved for insurance uh, uh, a lot better than they used to, and that's a very good idea. And I hope that continues because that makes the whole transaction a lot smoother. I would I would warn people don't just take somebody's word for it over the phone that you're going to get insurance, but actually, you know, apply to get pre-approved uh, and get it in writing. Uh, because I bet I could call Progressive three times today and get three different answers, you know, just uh, pretending to be different buyers. Uh, it is just all all across the board. So it's very unpredictable, like everything these days.
0: Yeah, and that, that seems to, you know, continuing into 2023, unpredictable seems to be the word. Um, okay. And as I said, we will be bringing John Horton back. Um, but his last insurance update that he provided, you know, when we asked him, what's it going to take for this market to change for insurance? Because it has been a struggle for several years. And he said, it's going to take a few years without any major losses due to storms. 2022 saw Hurricane Ian, um, which of course devastated Southwest Florida. Um, And I've said this before, but I think, you know, there have been, of course, other storms of Ian's magnitude that have affected the Great Loop route itself. Uh, But Ian was really kind of a game changer for the looping community, more looper boats lost than any storm in the past that I'm aware of, simply because of the popularity of Fort Myers for uh, gold loopers who have settled there, keep their boat there. Lots of boats sell there, um, so we, you know, we had a, a few instances of people who had just bought their boat um, and lost it before even starting the loop. But so all that to ask you, you know, is that a big enough pocket of looper boats that it's affecting? the buying and selling market as well it it, was that enough inventory lost that it's beyond the insurance implications does it have implications for the buying and selling of looper boats
1: um i i don't think that it had a tremendous effect on it because a lot of the there weren't many boats listed for sale either by owner or by broker in fort myers at that time remember Mm -hmm. in you know the time of year that the end hit And uh, because of insurance restrictions, there weren't, you know, an overwhelming number of boats like there are right now or in January, February uh, in that area. Um, Also, uh, you know, a lot of your gold loopers are right on the edge of do we go again or do we and they bought a house and they go, do we sell the boat or do we cruise locally or do we downsize? They're in that transition mode. Uh, So there's a segment of that market where they might've been ready to put the boat on the market and sell it and go to a down you know, smaller boat or buy a house and get rid of the boat totally. And just say, okay, we'll come back to boating later or whatever. So there's a real mixture there. So it wasn't like a one-to-one, every single one of those boat owners who lost a boat are out in the market immediately. There were some, we've sold boats to some of those uh, people already and others are like everyone else still out there struggling to look for the inventory. But um there was already an inventory issue and yes, it affected it, but it wasn't like overwhelming where it just collapsed the market or something crazy. Uh, but remember too, Ian, certainly uh, hurricane Ian, certainly affected the boat inventory market and insurance, but kind of back on insurance. It's not just hurricanes. It's these major Marina fires. If we you know, have a, a Marina in Michigan or New England, uh, where somebody's doing work on their boat and, and you know, I got a electric heater on, they forget to turn it off and it takes out you a know, hundred boats in a building or something. That's a catastrophic loss for the insurance companies. And that's just as devastating to the market. But then you've got all these claims and I'm watching photos come across uh, my phone of people who left their boats in the, in the uh, water over say on the Chesapeake and they they, they you know, didn't haul them. And we had this huge freeze just suddenly. Um, so we're losing a few boats to sinkings and things like that. Um, so all that adds up. It, it may only seem like one or two boats here or there that we hear about, but it adds up to the insurance companies. And so, yes, inventory was affected by Ian. And um, a lot of those boats, uh, a lot of the buyers, you know, are, have been or are in the market still, but not overwhelming
0: great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Let's take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to kind of jump into what some of the popular boats for loopers were in 2022 and how the market for those uh, may change or continue on for 2023. So we'll be back in a moment. Let our friend John Heenan at SkyMed explain to you why your health insurance does not pay or only pays for a small portion of emergency medical travel transport. Say you're on the loop in Canada and have Medicare. You must get back to the USA to be covered once you are stabilized. That also is true for the Bahamas. No worries. SkyMed pays for transportation to your home hospital by a private medical jet, helicopter, or other means that can keep you stable until you reach the destination from anywhere in the world. Pets with you? They go home with you. What about your boat? Call John Heenan for more information at 954 520-4553. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Curtis Stokes with Curtis Stokes and Associates. Um, Curtis is, of course, one of our Admiral top level sponsors, and we are updating the boat buying market for 2023. We know we've got lots of uh, potential loopers out there or wannabe loopers out there who are still seeking that perfect boat for them. Um, Curtis, we're still kind of uh, finishing up our final list of stats for 2022 always interesting um, but it, it appears um, as we put the finishing touches on those stats and, and get the kind of the last minute stragglers in who are reporting their completion to us looks like Mainship will once again be the most popular boat make for uh, new gold loopers for 2023 probably not a surprise there to you but what is it about the Mainship that makes it such a popular boat for loopers
1: It is incredible. It's always amazed me year after year how Mainship is such a popular brand and and their models. And I give them credit for a company that's no longer in business, how they can uh, control so much of the market with uh, brokerage inventory. Um, I think a lot of builders must be looking at that brand and envy because they really are, you know, extremely popular. Uh, They just have they're like a. a very stable boat that stable in the sense of price and condition you know they just keep going and people can get on and go and and ex, the minimal exterior maintenance uh, the molded in steps to the flybridge uh the one level of the the main deck of the 40s and 34s and and 39s um you know, easy on and off, uh, just a comfortable layout, very popular, but for the great loop, it's just such an easy boat to get in and out of because there's such a broad market. There's certainly a market for the other brands like Carvers and Cruisers and, you know, other, and then some of the trawlers, the monks and things like that, that are very popular, but yeah, the the main ship, uh, I, it amazes me someone hasn't copied you know, builders copy each other. They splash holes. They do all this over the years in different uh, markets, and no one's really mimicked the Mainship. I think, uh, you know, they're fairly similar, but not not like Mainship did I, I give them credit. That was, uh, you know, it, it's just amazing how they continue to be so popular, especially for the loop. But you know, it's great.
0: Yeah, and it's particularly for somebody knows that that they're going to buy a boat, do the loop, and then immediately sell it. Um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons it remains popular is because those um, people know they will be able to sell it generally if it remains in good condition. Um, pretty quickly, I think there's a few that are on their fourth or fifth trip around the loop with different owners um, because they just finished the yeah. loop, change hands, and and you know boats like to be run. And if it's coming off the loop, you know it's been run and it's it's ready to go again. So, essentially. Yeah, Part of it
1: is the resale value. The resale value is very important to people because so many people are doing the great loop as a bucket list item, which is a shift from many years ago when you know the AGLCA first started. Um, you've got s- such a different demographic now. And that that mainship resale ability uh, is, is important. But again, you know, some of these people paying COVID prices on mainships are still not immune to, you know, a softening market. So um it's it's going to change at some point we just don't know when yet uh so you know just be a little careful even with the popularity of the main ships
0: yeah and then you know even uh, beyond the main ship as kind of the top choice again um some of the others that are up there and and these are where um you know like i said we're putting the finishing touches on these stats and just verifying everything um but once you go beyond the main ship there's a little bit of everything in kind of that next tier of more popular boats and everything from carvers to grand banks to ranger tugs which are all very different boats um, are mm-hmm. kind of in that next tier and, and kind of almost in a tie for second place um, you know let's talk about carver a little bit you know what makes that a popular looping boat um, will gas prices affect what becomes and stays more popular um, gas or diesel fuel prices in general they are coming down again out here but you know who knows but you know, talk about some of those other types of boats and, and what makes them popular for looping.
1: Uh, well, the uh, Ranger Tug is very popular. I just sold one recently in Palm Coast and um, it, it's the bells and whistles on it. You know, it's it's a snazzy looking, cool looking boat and that attracts people. Um, I think there are competitors that are better built, uh, better quality, but they don't have the sizzle and the snazz and you know of the the Ranger Tug. So I give them credit. Uh, people love them, and they really do have a lot of features. Uh, they pack a lot in in a small boat, so uh, I think it'll continue to be very popular, and it's a it's a great option for the Great Loop, uh, the Carver you know, is like the main ship, just, um, I, don't, I don't want to say plain Jane, but, you know, it's minimal main exterior maintenance, um, not complicated, uh, you know, just uh, simple design, and uh, people like that light uh, interior. Um, you know, one you keep forgetting to mention is the 40-foot Silverton. I mean, got to be very popular, you know. <laughs>
0: We honestly don't see a lot of them, but um, I want to say there were four or five Silverton's that completed the loop in in 2022. And actually, there's a a 430, just a few slips down from us that pulled in yesterday. So it's always nice when we see a a sister ship out there. Um, Sure. And Grand Banks is, you know, kind of another very different from Carver's, (laughs) very different from Ranger Tug's. Talk a little bit about those because those remain popular as well.
1: And the Grand Banks have been popular forever. I mean, they've just been around forever and ever. And, uh, you know, they're just a classic. For someone who's going to look at um, a classic design, they're going to go to the Grand Banks typically. And the trunk cabin styles, just like the 43 main ship on the mainship line, has always been very popular. Um, and the Sabre line, you know, 43 and 47s have always been very popular. But the Grand Banks are the ones that really, you know, uh, Immortalize that that design. Uh, they have their challenges with their age and teak decks and tanks and things like that. That you know some people have already dealt with and some people will. Um, but the prices have come down to a level where they're quite affordable um, for the older Grand Banks. You know, and then the newer ones uh, are are still very popular. Uh, it's just the design and it's, it's all about marketing too. you know, a company like grand bank still in business marketing and advertising is creating brand awareness. And someone new to the market is picking up a magazine or going online. And when they see the same name over and over again, uh, they go, okay, that's a name I should remember and, and should follow. And, uh, then they get on and either like the boat or they don't. So, right. um, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is that marketing, but another brand is Endeavor. You know, again, another company that's out of business, uh, but their models are just as popular as ever. And if we list a 44 Endeavor or a 40 Endeavor, they sell quite quickly if they're priced right and in good condition. And we have a lot of people that come to us asking if we have any hidden inventory of of the Endeavors. So um, those, and, and also in your stats, I think you'll find too, it's a little skewed in that there's so little inventory and people are holding onto their boats longer that some of the brands aren't showing up as they would in a normal market where there's more turnover. So it'll be interesting to see if we slow down sometime here in the future, what brands actually come forward more often than in this unique market.
0: Yeah. Um, Curtis, you mentioned in that last part um, a little bit about hidden inventory, so to speak, Um, because the market's been moving so quickly. It's fairly common for brokerages, especially um, who are very plugged into loopers. Um, to kind of know what boats are coming to market, you know, if you sold somebody their boat in a year, two years, five years later, they are ready to sell, they may come to you and you're working on the listing and a lot of times these boats, you know, you have a client waiting for that particular boat. So some of the boats are selling before they ever hit Yacht World. Is that a trend that you expect to continue as more boats come to market? Or do you think that will go, you know, back to a little bit about how, you know, it used to be where you didn't have to act quite so quickly?
1: Um I think it will continue to you know until uh the market balances out you know as long as we have all these buyers sitting waiting patiently and sometimes impatiently for the right boat to come along uh we're out They're searching for them. And certainly, with, you know, like Michael Martin on the loop and a couple of others out uh, on their boats, they're hearing about people uh, thinking about putting their boats on the market. And we already know who's looking and we're trying to match them up before uh, the boats even hit the market. We've done that straight through uh, COVID and continue to do it, uh, where we're trying to match people up ahead of time. Uh, You know, we have conversations with potential sellers well in advance of anybody even seeing the boat. So, yes, a lot of that's happening. And we are I am starting to see a number of for sale by owners contacting us going, OK, I tried to sell my boat myself. It didn't happen. Um, kind of, you know, impatient with the whole process. So they're handing the boat over to us to list. So we were expecting that as the market slows a little bit. Um, and, you know, as one I had a conversation with one seller recently, they were they were laughing, but you know, kind of complaining that they showed the boat a number of times to people who absolutely had no interest in the boat whatsoever and just wanted to come see it because they were in the area. Or they, you know, said, well, we want this, we want that. And when they got on the boat and this, and they, it wasn't the right boat for them, the sellers were like, well, why did you even come here? Well, you know, we just thought maybe it would work possibly. And they, they witnessed what we go through regularly where Again, Michael and I are jumping on that $600 one-way flight to wherever, you know, and the person goes, well, this isn't the boat I was looking for, even though they described that exact boat. So um, until you get a buyer on a boat and they get that warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, it's just like a home, they're, they're not a buyer until they actually are, are ready to, to make the move on that particular boat. So the sellers feel the frustration when they're trying to do it themselves. And that's benefiting us as a yacht broker where they're coming back to us and saying, OK, enough's enough. Uh, you know, you deal with this. Uh, so we'll see more in that. You know, if the market continues to slow.
0: Yeah. So, Curtis, just as we start to wrap up um, for somebody who is out there looking for their great loop boat or, or maybe, you know, is planning to do the loop in a few years and hasn't earnestly started looking at. How far in advance do you suggest that somebody starts doing, you know, some true shopping for that boat if they want to do the loop? Um, you know, how long does the process take, really?
1: It depends on how specific the search parameters are for the buyer and how um, experienced the buyer uh, buyers are. If, if you don't know what type of boat you want to buy, you're really new to the whole process. The sooner, the better. Um, and I would not hesitate if I were a buyer to connect with a broker and establish a long-term relationship or if you're just looking on your own uh, to get you know to as many boats as possible. And as always, I always tout the rendezvous, the AGLCA rendezvous, um, because boat shows just are not The best venue anymore for looking for a boat to to cruise on the Great Loop unless you're buying a brand new boat or a really high-end boat. Uh, Going to the AGLCA rendezvous, there could be 50 to 70 boats there on display that aren't necessarily for sale but they're in one location where you can go and climb all over the boats during the looper crawl each afternoon and learn about the brands and models and hear from the sellers saying the good, the bad and the ugly about each one and we promote, quite frankly, we promote the uh, the, the, looper, uh, the looper crawl as a boat show to our clients saying, please, you know, come with us. Let's go look at these boats. We're going to let you loose and let you go on every single boat you want to go on. And then let's sit and talk about what you liked and disliked. And um, it's been tremendously productive for people. So. If you're a buyer who is very specific, you know you will only buy that 42 grand banks and you will only buy a 1990 or newer. Well, then it's just a matter of sitting and waiting. And you know as soon as it comes on the market, if it's priced right and appears to be in good condition, uh, get on it as quickly as you can, or better yet, make an offer contingent upon a personal inspection survey and trial run. And then either your broker goes and does a virtual showing or you go and get on the boat and then release the boat if it's not the right one for you. Within a few days, you know, you can't tie a boat up for weeks. That's unfair to the seller and the listing broker. But if they'll agree to accept an offer contingent on a personal inspection for someone who hasn't seen the boat, then, you know, go that tie it up. If it's the right boat, regardless of whether you're two years out or whatever, you know, if you have the financial resources to buy now and store the boat or use it sparingly um, in between work and vacations and all that then you get on the boat and you use it um, you know, in, in, until you're ready to do the loop when you can. So uh, it depends on the, on the makeup of the buyer as far as how soon to start. But we have clients that will sign up with us years in advance, and we just act as consultants, answering their questions and meeting them at rendezvous and boat shows and things like that, kind of educating them as they go along. And then as they get closer to buying, three years down the road, five years down the road, or six months down the road, then, you know, we get, we get more serious and then we're traveling and inspecting boats and previewing them and uh, things like that. But don't hesitate. I, I hear all the time from people saying, well, I didn't want to waste your time. I'm not ready to buy a boat yet. Well, that's, that's fine. I mean, you're not wasting my time or any broker's time if they're the right broker, right buyer broker, where they'll sit and talk to you for half an hour, 45 minutes about the boats.
0: Right. And, and thank you for that plug for the AGLCA rendezvous. Um, our yeah. looper crawls happen at our rendezvous Uh, usually three afternoons. um, As Curtis said, about 50 or so boats that are owned by loopers that are there in the harbor. Um, Some are for sale, some are not, um, but many will eventually be for sale. Um, But it really, as Curtis said, it's a great opportunity to climb on all these different boats and really, particularly if you're early in the process, kind of focus in on what features you may want for your boat. Um, And, you know, I've spoken to so many people who thought that they had one specific boat in mind and got on one at a rendezvous and Thought it was okay, but then got on something else right. that just you know, blew them away and turned out to be the boat that they were looking for. So we have our Palooza coming up in Fort Myers um, on January 23rd through 25th. That does not have a Looper Crawl um, because there's no dockage available in Fort Myers post-Hurricane Ian. So our next rendezvous that will have a Looper Crawl is our Spring Rendezvous. That is the first week in May in Norfolk, Virginia, and we will be opening registration for that in early February. Um, it is a members-only event, so if it's something you're interested in, we certainly encourage you to join. Lots of resources as a member for finding and buying and financing and ensuring that boat as well. So we encourage you to go ahead and join us. Um, greatloop.org is the website. Um, Curtis Stokes, I want to thank you for sharing this insight again, and we appreciate you coming back and your ongoing long-term support of AGLCA. Thank you for that.
1: You bet. Well, thank you.
0: Thanks to everyone who's watched or listened this week. We will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.